Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with your Saturday Suckage. We are beginning our final hour of today's version of Saturday Suckage. And uh, we will bring you coverage of the NFL playoff games today. Coverage starts at 3 o'clock. Bengals and Titans will be the first game. 49ers and the evil dreaded Packers with the vomit green and urine yellow uniform colors. They will be this evening. So that's what's going on. Meanwhile, the Bears' usual postseason is we fired somebody. Now what are we going to do? So they're going to look for a general manager. They're going to look for coach. So it seems that everything the Bears are doing now revolves around the Indianapolis Colts. That's just what they do. The heritage franchise of the NFL has decided that everything that comes out of Indianapolis is where they want to be. That's where Chris Ballard went when he was in their building and didn't get the job. So he went to Indianapolis. Bill Polian is helping them with their with their <clears throat> descent, ascent, however you want to look at it, their <clears throat> tortured path back to some kind of championship. We're going to go to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we are going to welcome to the show from the the uh, Herald Bulletin, Colts beat writer, uh, covers the Colts for the Herald Bulletin, George Bremer. George, thanks for joining us on The Score today. Thank you. Glad to, glad to be here. So everything the Colts do is what the Bears want to be, I guess. What do you, what, what's the view inside the Colts organization when former Colts, guy like Bill Polian, Current Colts people are being considered. There's there's a defensive coordinator the Bears are looking at as a head coach. There's a guy in the front office who just took his name out of the running. So tell us about this this um, manger that has grown football knowledge that the Bears want to cart away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, right now there's enough frustration in Indianapolis that uh, you know they got their own issues to deal with. Uh, but I do think. For a while now, it's felt like Matt Eberflus is a head coach in waiting. You know, it's just a matter of which cycle he's going to get a job in. Ed Dodds is very much followed the Chris Ballard path. They're very close, obviously. He came into Indy with with Chris. Uh, and much like Ballard, he's going to be very selective about where he goes and, and when he goes there. He, he interviews pretty much every year he's been here. He's interviewed for an opening, but he hasn't really gone deep into the process yet. I guess he's still on the Raiders list. We'll see how that goes. 
Um, you know, both those guys, though, they're, they're names that they're sort of those lists you guys know that, that come up every year. They've been very high on those lists the last couple of years. So I think everybody within the building feels like it's just a matter of time until they lose one or, or both of those guys. You know, it must be good to be Ed Dodds because, as you said, <laughs> man, like he's turned down jobs or have had interviews the last three out of the last four years or, or whatever, and he's just sitting back waiting for some golden opportunity out there. What is the magic of an Ed Dodds? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would love to have that kind of job security, I think, where I feel like everybody wants me and, and I can pick and choose. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But Ed's one of those guys, you know, he, he's, he's a – really a scout at heart and he's been a personnel lifer he helped build that team the the legion of boom team in seattle you know then came over with ballard who who has a great reputation and has done some good things here in, in indy with the draft and so uh, i think ed's just it's really the personnel side with him he's one of those guys that you know he, he gets a lot of credit right or wrong for finding earl thomas you know getting him in the draft guys like bruce Irvin, okay. uh even russell wilson you know, I I think he's he's just really respected for that scout's eye. That's a good answer. I mean, it's more than I've heard from anybody else. For real. No, I appreciate that. We're talking with George Bremer. He covers the Colts for the Herald Bulletin in Indianapolis. So, George, tell us this. One of the candidates for the Bears head coaching job is Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator and the Colts' defense does what the Bears used to do, what they well they did in 2018, anyways, which was they get a lot of takeaways. These this Bears defense doesn't. They have sagged considerably. Uh, the 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 Bears have sucked other than 2018 since Lovey Smith was here. What is it about his defense that works, and what is it about this person that people think he can be a head coach, or maybe you don't think he's ready to be a head coach? Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that, honestly, when, when you do the, the weekly coordinator calls with him, he feels like a head coach already. You close your eyes, he kind of talks like a head coach. He has that presence. I know that that's always kind of irritating when people talk about that, but he just has that, that factor about him, whatever it is. The players really engage with him. I think that's the bigger, more important level here. They're, they're, they're totally bought in. And, you know, even the new guys that come in, DeForest Buckner last year, came over from San Francisco, and he said, I thought we worked hard there. That was a Super Bowl team, obviously, that he was coming away from. And he said he's never been anywhere where effort is preached as hard as it is on this Indianapolis defense. They have a stat they call loaf. I don't, it came, I think, from the Chicago system. Uh, basically, you've got to run to the ball no matter what position you're playing, no matter what side of the field you're on. So if you're the left defensive end and there's a, there's a throw 20 yards down the opposite sideline, they expect you not to get there, but to hustle and, and, and to get, you know, to, to make an effort to get there. It's all, that's, that's like the, the entire uh, focus of this defense, really, is just all out effort on every snap. And then the takeaway thing, you mentioned it. Uh, they came into this season with a goal of 40. They fell short, short at 33, still were second in the league. I think they've been top five all four years he's been here in takeaways. And that's really that's the heart of this defense. The thing they haven't been able to do is get after the quarterback. That's been a variety of things, though. I don't know that's so much their scheme as it is not being able to, to find guys to bring in guys that can win one-on-one battles up front. 
That's very Lovey Smith, the way that the defensive description sounded, you know, race to the football, every gang tackling, go for the turnovers. So that that's what comes to my mind. One guy I want to ask you about, did you happen to cover uh, Jim Caldwell when he was with the Colts t- 2009 to 2011 or no? Yeah, I was here right for the end. I, I was a little bit with 2010 and I was here for that fantastic 2011 season <laughs> okay so 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 <laughs> h- how how is he how is he thought of in indianapolis history and do you think that he is a guy that deserves what would be a third shot at a head coach if the bears were to hire him yeah i think he's a really great offensive coach and he's been great with quarterbacks so peyton manning stands on the table for him almost every chance he gets that's a pretty good reference right there i know that that helped him a lot get the job in Detroit. When he was here, there were time management issues. I think that was a big question mark with him. Uh, you know, odd timeouts, not taking a timeout here where he should. But he's a very calm kind of guy. He's very Tony Dungy-like. He obviously was Dungy's hand-picked replacement here in Indy. Uh, and he's got that same kind of demeanor. You know, he's not going to be a fire and brimstone guy. Uh, he's a storyteller. I think that that's, you know, you'll see that. Everything's a parable with Jim Caldwell, but he's done a really good job with developing the passing game. And I think obviously in Chicago right now with Justin Fields, that would be a really big focus. Uh, If you go back and and you look at his career here, Manning had great years with him, which you would expect. Uh, He got a lot out of Dan Orlovsky at the end of that 2011 season. They actually, you know, it was a two-win year. It was a disaster of of a season. But when Dan Orlovsky got in there, the offense really took off. It, It noticeably went up. They got both their wins during that stretch. Uh, I think he, he got probably the best that anybody got out of him during his career. And then Matthew Stafford had some of his best years of his career uh, while while uh, Caldwell was in Detroit. But also, he was the offense coordinator when the Ravens won the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. So mm. I think if you bring in Jim Caldwell, you're bringing in a quarterback guy. We actually have a quarterback that some believe could be the guy, even though he's a turnover ATM. But their belief is you can coach that out of them. And the key is not that you need a quarterback coach. You named a variety of quarterbacks, which is very heartening if it if the Bears do select or the Bears GM does select Jim Caldwell. The problem with Matt Nagy and the problem with a lot of coaches is they coach their scheme. They don't coach the player who's there. They don't coach the players in front of them, the team that's in front of them. Jim Caldwell seems like a guy who's much more malleable, flexible. He's he, he may start with a a an idea, but it has to be fit around the player that makes the player go and the offense go and the team go. Have you seen examples of that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think the offense changed quite a bit. In 2011, they went through three quarterbacks because you had Kerry Collins. You know, that was the year Peyton Manning had the neck surgery and there was – hope all year long that he would come back. That obviously never happened. You started off with Kerry Collins, who was at the very end of his career. I think week two or week three, he got a concussion. You had to go to Curtis Painter, had no experience. You end with Dan Orlovsky. And I think that offense kind of changed all throughout that season as they kind of tried to find what they could do. And even with Painter, you know, who is notorious around here for his struggles and, and will always get the blame undeservedly for, for being the guy that came into the 2009 game against the Jets when they lost the perfect season. That's on Bill Polian, but that's another story. But it's Curtis Painter's <laughs> mark with that. 
even he played well, though, when up, they got a lot of leads early in games that season. They would start off games well. They couldn't sustain it because talent just wasn't there. The other thing I think about Caldwell that's interesting is you look at, like, Fields in particular, his career, he, he spent some time in college, too. He was a head coach at Wake Forest for a while. So I think he has some of those RPO elements. It's in his tool bag. Our guest is George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin in Indianapolis. We're talking about the uh, the center of the football universe, which is Indianapolis, at least in the Bears' eyes. So, George, you bring up Bill Polian, and let's talk about that man. We, I, I couldn't find any pro football reference page or pro football focus page that listed the wins and losses on the consultant recommendations by Bill Polian, and there really needs to be that page. So you're going to be that page for us right now, George. Who has he done this for, and how have those guys done? Yeah, you know, he was involved a little bit here in India. I mean, he, he had a say in, in Frank Reich coming in, and everybody knows the Josh McDaniel situation and how that blew up. And the Colts were really scrambling at that point because who wouldn't be? I mean, you, you hired a coach, and literally the day of the press conference, he decides to stay in his previous employer and Polian was, was one of the guys that came in. He really has been involved with Frank Reich's career from the start. Obviously drafted him in Buffalo uh, and recognized back then. I mean, I guess the story goes you know, around here that as Frank Reich's career was going on, as he was a backup quarterback, Polian came to him and said, you're going to be a head coach in the NFL someday. Just saw it in him or, or whatever. Uh, so, you know, that's worked out pretty well for the most part here in Indy. They've had a lot of off-field things that, that have affected this franchise starting with the retirement of the quarterback a few years ago during a preseason game against the Bears. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot going on that, that you don't normally have to deal with as a head coach. And I think they've, they've made the playoffs twice in four years. It should have been three times this year with the epic collapse. Um, I, everybody feels good down here about Frank Reich and the role that he's done. I don't know where Polian's done some. I know that he had some hand in the Bills' resurgence. I'm not sure the specifics on that. But I know he was involved in that process as they kind of turned things around. So, you know, and then his record as, as an executive, four straight Super Bowls with the Bills, uh, built the Panthers into an NFC title game participant in, I think, two years. Uh, and then obviously his run here in Indy, uh, where they were for about a decade one of the better teams in the league. So this is the right guy. This is a good guy who is, you feel is – connected and has the 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 right sort of authority to be in this position for the bears yeah you know i think he's been a hall of famer and and he he backs up those credentials and whatever you know polian has had his faults like like anybody but everywhere he's gone the franchise he's been involved with has won and i think you know ultimately that's what you judge by in this league Indeed, that's what the Bears are judged by, 1985. That's it. <laughs> it's so wanting. This is just so embarrassing. And now they're fighting the Jaguars over coaches just to know how crappy the whole thing is. George, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for the information. Good stuff. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. George Bremer, he is the uh, Colts beat writer and sports editor for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. And it was just some good stuff. I feel better now, Mark, that... We kind of got a the the oral Bill Polian pro football yes. reference page, the consultant recommendations that okay, he had a hand somewhere here, but these places are good and they've turned out to be good. You've got Buffalo going for revenge and 
and looking to 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 kick Kansas City and and move on in the playoffs. And you've got Indianapolis and Frank Wright, and, and boy, talk about rallying from a coaching disaster. Frank Wright sure sure oh, yeah. sure made things better, and and so I feel a little better. Bill Bill Polian, you know, as we were reminded there, has an absolutely outstanding resume. It's incredible what he has done. And the only question one asks is, does it still, does yeah. what he did still translate to what he is attempting to do now? And is his scope too limited to those organizations and those those that have gone from Buffalo and Indianapolis to other organizations? Because that is, that's the network that he is working with. So that's the only thing that that I start to wonder about Bill Paulian, but he did draw it out right. And I'm sure glad, Steve, too, that I finally got an answer on the most powerful man in football that nobody knows about, and that's Ed Dodds. (laughs) 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 Took his name out of consideration for the Bears. Turns out this is Ed's thing, that Ed thinks that he can get a job anywhere. So I'm just, what, what Ed exactly, what is it that you want, Ed Dodds? And I bet at this point, even those that work with him and those that employ him, like Chris Ballard, is even like, "What are you doing, dude? Are you coming for me? What do you want my job?" So, so what Ed Dodds <laughs> shut <laughs> shut the Bears down. He upset a lot of people. Yes, he, he upset did. a lot of not just the Bears. Don't you know but who we are? Don't you right? The, the three teams the previous year that were scorned by him, and now Ed Dodds just sits there, puts his feet up on the recliner, and now we wait. <sighs> what do you want, Ed Dodds? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's, I, we're going to take a break, but um, I have several things I want to discuss. A curious bear, a Bengals thing that um, seemed to be taken after a, um, a legendary Cubs player. But I want to just sort of get your thoughts on something next. Um, a new cultural zeitgeist that we need to discuss. We can get to other things, but I need your thoughts on this, Mark. Okay, and Steve. We will move along to that as cultural zeitgeist as you are. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yeah. All right. He's Mark Rody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage and zeitgeist used in the same same paragraph, same tweet, much as I did with Amy Trask, and she was really impressed with that mixture of verbiage. You're good, buddy. You're good. I'm just here to Bill Space, I'm I suck, so nobody else has to. It's it's what we do for humanity. I mean, and, I mean, come on, we've got NFL football after us, so this is like we are truly here to build for them. Yeah, yes, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's Bengals and Titans, and we got a whole Bengals thing that will sound familiar to Cubs fans. Chicago Sports Radio six seventy the score. This is Sports Radio six seventy the score and six seventy the score.com. Chicago Sports Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Your music is the language of love. Uh, if you like Pepe Le Pew, and I this sounds that. like a Steve Rosenblum groove. This sounds like something I could did not I could did not you. choose this. Uh, Caesar Perez, tell us who, what. I didn't do this. This is some cool in the game. We got some cool in the game going. The only cool in the gang I knew was celebrate because it was played at every bar and bat mitzvah when I was on the circuit. <laughs> you know with, that music sounds like Brandon. what you hear. That's like good, upbeat, department store mall music. That's what that's on. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, it's sort of that upbeat and, hey, you're here, you're buying stuff, you're seeing new things. Hey, look, there's a mannequin. Hey, maybe I'll go get some shoes. Maybe I'll I'll check out some sweet smells. 
some sweet smells. Okay. Yeah, like cologne. Yeah. Cologne. Right. So that's, it's a rough time for cologne right now, by the way. I bought well, it's a rough time for cologne. malls. Malls don't exist so, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> that, that's true. I live by a very big mall, though, in, in Chicago. So the water tower. So it still exists. They're, the Macy's is gone from it. But, um, but yeah, yeah, the, the malls are not doing well. What was I saying, though, that wasn't also doing well? <laughs> Sweet smells. You said oh, the oh, sweet smells, the sweet smells, and perfume. Yeah. Yes, what a stupid thing of me to. to I, I've like intermittent cologne wearer throughout my life. Like I'll go years without it, but then every once in a while I'll buy a nice bottle of cologne. I bought myself a nice bottle of cologne, pretty expensive, and this was probably about a year ago. In the middle of a pandemic, when everybody's wearing masks and nobody can really smell anybody, so it's, it's been a <laughs> and waste. You shouldn't have been around anybody who could smell it anyway. Right. I've I've had one person compliment me for my cologne, so that either means that I'm caking it on too much, perhaps the scent is not good, or people just aren't smelling me. I am thankful for a mask when I can smell somebody's perfume because I cannot imagine how my nose would fall off my face if I did not have the mask on. Very good. Yeah, I'm I'm quite I gave up I, I'm not about colognes anymore. I used to do that whole thing and boy when it was musk, I would just think I, I think I had to smell it immediately and I probably went through half a bottle. I was awful to be around and now I'm just I, I'm, I'm just relying on whatever pheromones I have left. That's the way I look at it. Uh, that's a good way to go, man. But anyway, I love that music because I, I pictured Malls and Steve Rosenblum smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ooh, the cigar. That's it. I'm dabbing. I got a, you down. Dabbing. I got you down. Yeah, yeah. I'm dabbing a little behind my ears at the, as we what, speak. With a nice what? What is one drink with a cigar? I've never been a cigar guy. Whatever you isn't like. It like share. Isn't it like? But isn't there like something that you're supposed to like a brandy or something like that? Well, that I have uh, the late great Tim Weigel and I shared port with cigars. He loved cigars like I did, and he shared and we shared a port. I'll, How about that? Red red wine works for me. Whatever you're drinking, okay. bourbon, okay. scotch, right. whatever, <clears throat> whatever your thing. Okay. So yeah, I have Weigel, a, huh? Let's yeah, late great yeah. Tim Weigel. Yeah, it was. Um, it was it. He was always an event. Yeah, I never knew him. I watched him, but uh, yeah. never. It was not in the biz at the same time as Mr. Tim Weigel. He he turned. God, was it fifty? His fiftieth birthday. He threw a party for himself in that <clears throat> Evanston mansion of his. I think it was Evanston. It was a mansion, and there was this four-piece band that he really liked, a jazz band. So he hired them to play in his living room. <laughs> that, wow. was, that was the party and there's gene siskel college roommate of it it was great i mean the the, right. the weigel thing was was an event um and he's a harvard guy right yale yale man yeah i think right. yeah he and he and gene were roommates and then, and then died of the same thing and the like what was going on there? What was going yeah. on? Yeah, connecting Tim, dots. Timmy was yeah. Timmy was 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 wonderful. It was just it was just great. Oh my god! I don't even remember what this is. Caesar. We have a caller with a pretty good idea. I think I wanted to, you should share with you guys here. Oh, our breaking caller sounder. We haven't even heard the breaking caller sounder. I forgot what it is. Okay, let's go. Well, who, good who morning, you're... afternoon. Uh, good morning, afternoon, gentlemen. I'd like to 
see if you think this is a good idea. I think Les Grobstein should be remembered with an annual award, uh, like the Grabber, for having maybe a reporter go the extra hour or but and thinking the way to what should be awarded would be either a whole bunch of packets of uh, condiments, you know, as a uh, as a as an award, or has to be forced to uh, do an overnight session on the score as a as an award. What do you think? Pulling the grabber. So wait, we saying was he saying that to have a fan, a listener, do the score overnight, win that opportunity? Is that what he said? He's, say, he's saying a, a fellow. Uh, a member of the score, perhaps, or a fellow, a fellow sportscaster uh, would be given the Grobber Award for going the extra mile, I think. Oh, oh I got you. I love it. Is that Absolutely. considered a win or a loss if you're going to yeah, work yeah. the Grobber? You worked the Grobber shift. I mean, you did an extraordinary thing. I, I Everybody needs to know that. You did an extraordinary thing. I don't know how your body recovered. You can tell us. But what was that like, and how has your body recovered when you did, when you did Tuesday? Yeah, it was crazy because, it was, yeah, yeah, I guess it was Tuesday technically. But on Monday, woke up to the news of Les Grobstein passing away, and I just happened to be scheduled to work that day for Bernstein Rahimi with Rick Camp. So I did the I did the three hours there, and it was 100% about Les Grobstein having guests on that knew him and sharing stories of him and an occasional call or text. And then after, so there, there's that show. And obviously I was up early for it, prepared for something different. And I did my three hours. And then Mitch Rosen, our boss, called and asked me if I would please do the, the overnight for Les to reach out. Because as listeners, we have a good relationship. Les and I obviously are connected in some ways here at the radio station. So I was, first of all, I, I would have been upset like for real real if i wasn't asked to do that so understand where i'm coming from like i wanted to be the 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 presider of of less and let people have their say because i i thought i knew in my head how it had to be done so so take that at the base but mitch asked me to do it so i say yes and what it's like one o'clock in the afternoon i got all day to sleep, take a nap, get ready, whatever I want. I mean, there wasn't going to be a lot of prep because it was just going to come from me. But uh, and but then I didn't sleep, of course. Did not sleep a <laughs> wink. Um, I didn't know how to sleep that day. Uh-huh. Yeah, you mean, I got a million things going on in my brain. I thought I could do the let the couch take me away nap. Like I switched beds. It just it was like, okay, this ain't happening. So... I started the midnight like that, like ready for bed, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and essentially. But then it went great. I mean, it was incredible. I loved it. I got a lot of things off of my chest that I felt like I needed to say about it. Um, I also, the, like hearing from former producer, one Zach Withers called the show, Steve. Then does that, that oh connects? Oh, my yes. God. Yes, who went from Les Grobstein to Saturday Suckage. Boy, did he have a rough life at, at the <laughs> yes, score. No wonder he's out of the business. <laughs> he had to get out eventually. <laughs> There's a shelf life for us and Grover. There is no doubt about it. So, and it was people like that that were calling in and and tons of listeners calling. Every one of them had something a little bit different to say and share. And, you know, we all learned along the way. And then Mitch, Mitch Rosen, the program director of the score, joined me for two hours starting at 3 o'clock. Oh. So he, he was able 
able to. And one of the funniest parts about that was, was, <laughs> was there was a caller that you know it was one of the things was a lot of these callers were are afraid that they will lose the local overnight because of cost and all of that in the way of the world. And there was one guy that called in. I can't remember who it was. I think there's like a Bob on I-80 that calls less regularly. Maybe it was, but he's talking about less. And Mitch is on the line, and and then he kind of got into it. He had the, the, the Chicago accent, and he was kind of like. Um, yeah, and I just hope they don't, you know, they don't, I don't think he realized that Mitch was the boss. I just hope they don't real, they don't, uh, get rid of this and go to, go to CBS or whatever the hell it is that you guys play <laughs> over. <laughs> And, and Spilkis like, is uh, on the mic on the with you. Yeah. I'm like, well, Mitch, what, what do you think? <laughs> and and Mitch's response has been to those callers that yes, ideally he would like to keep it live and local in that in that time slot. It's not a guarantee, but Mitch believes in the. This is what he said. He believes in the overnights and he believes in you know live and local. And if he has has it his way, it probably will be some local manifestation of the show. It's possible you will hear me doing it from time to time in the next couple of weeks as well so so yeah so that's yeah it was it was so to get back to the original root of it it was great mitch was great the callers were great the 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 quote-unquote guests were great ranji came on for a little while it was it was just a lot of fun very needed and i felt a lot better after i did that that overnight show and then i think i slept i think (laughs) i slept and then i don't know and then of course you know recovery from doing overnight radio is usually 48 hours later when you start to get your sea legs back again and that's just that's just the way it is doing it every day you tend to build build up some immunity or tolerance just like anything we do in our lives but it's never normal. No, not if you just do it once. Uh, even if you were just work the morning show and you were getting in and prepare, you're up at two thirty and you're it's harsh. There, yeah, and and your your body takes time to recover. If you do it regularly, then you you sort of create new circadian rhythms for yourself. You force yourself to. So I get that. I've often had a um, a a curiosity about doing that on a regular basis. One of the things I grew up with. In L.A. was the, the first overnight guy I knew was a guy named Ray Bream on All Talk Radio on KABC, which was talk radio. And my mom used to listen to it. She wasn't much of a sleeper. So I knew the name Ray Bream. And this was going back 50 years. And this was a guy who believed that there was a communist under every bed. <laughs> that was his thing. And, uh-huh. and I, I had a chat with Dave Baum yesterday, the chat champ. We caught up and talked about the the two central overnight guys that we knew, me with Les, him with Eddie Schwartz. And Mitch was the connection. Mitch is the middle of that Venn diagram. Wow. Yeah. And how there's an eccentricity about it, a quirkiness, <laughs> a, uh-huh. a unique audience because of a unique personality, and that one of the things they shared was while people, they, in some ways, were all the butt of jokes, depending whether you're part of it or not. Some are more public than others. And Les knew what his persona was, what the jokes were, and he would just wave you away by saying, look, I, Lou Jack, Steve and Gary, I've been, I've been shot out by the best. You guys are amateurs. And that was Les's response. And he seemed to, as, as people said this week, he seemed to embrace it. 
I know what you're saying. I got other things to do. I'm moving around along. I'm going to be less Grobstein, which was a, and and the chat champ when I was talking with Dave Bowen about it, he said Eddie Schwartz was Eddie Schwartz. He was who he was, doing what he was doing, and whatever outside comments, whatever whatever derision there might have been, even whatever compliments there might have been, it was just he was going to do what he did, and he that's how you sort of become. An icon and a kind of classic, maybe not in that order, but you become that. Yeah, it's it is incredible because I think that I don't know who said it. Somebody on this station said it um, that, and I'm sure it's been uttered before that people like us, like people in radio, we're all I I, I believe this. The, the what we what you hear of us is for the most part. It's it's well it's there's real but it, there's an exaggerated version of each of our personalities. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it it it's you're hearing the real people, but we're on. We are enunciating. We are exaggerated in our whatever it is that our brand or specialty is. But less <laughs> that was like truly the guy. Yeah. True. Usually when you hear this, it's not true. But he truly was the guy. That there was not a a big distinction between him being behind a microphone and being in person. He could tell the dirty jokes a little bit more carelessly off the mic. That's the part that people missed on the mic is you know that kind of stuff. But uh, you know people wouldn't necessarily want to hear that anyway. So less. Less was that guy, and there's nobody else at the radio station that's that's like that. No. No, but you you could grow into your own version of that. Should you want to commit to that, you yeah. you, you you wouldn't. There's nobody here. Even though you can do Les's voice, you would not do Les's show. Oh, of course not. And you would I, do I mean, your I, own show if you're a professional. You would do your own show, as you say, whatever you're modeled over, whatever your personality was, whatever your your passions were. That's the one thing that Les did that I think every overnight, every radio host should do and do it well, whatever your passions are, exaggerate, not, yeah, exaggerate them, make them yeah. known. Yeah. Play yeah. Them, and, play and, them. yeah. And to Les, it wasn't exaggeration. It was just truth with his things. I mean, we know about the things that he hated and the things that he loved for sure. But yeah, it's a wonderful canvas because you can stretch out and do whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, you truly have a canvas that other that you're not going to get a whole lot of interference on from anybody, whether, you know, bosses, producers, it's <laughs> it's it's you, man. Yeah. It's you against yeah. the world. So that makes it that makes it interesting and scary and frightening all at the same time. I'm positive that I could do it. I just don't know if I would want to do that. So, and but, what yeah. you would devolve into if you did. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because John Greenberg did the thing in The Athletic where, I don't know if you saw it, but he set the odds for who Grobber's replacement would be. Oh, and, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm first up, and he said, and, and he said the, all, uh, all I remember was he, Grody is the heir apparent. And then I thought about all the hard work I've done in my radio life to get to where I am, working at other radio stations and going to Illinois State and getting a mass communications degree in broadcasting. And now I have reached the point where I am being called the heir apparent to Les Grobstein. So you could see why I'm a little conflicted. While I love Les, there will be, never be another less, and I wouldn't even know how to go about being a less, and I don't know if I would want to go about being less. So I, what I, did, why I does John Greenberg hate you? Why does John Greenberg? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think there, there's there's simultaneous hate and respect in that statement. Seven seven nine texture and uh, our tech zone, by the way, our wonderful tech zone, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Seven seven nine worked graveyard at Del Taco in the desert wastelands of SoCal. I love Del Taco. The tweet goes. The text goes on. Awful. Never got used to it. Meth helped briefly. <laughs> hey, wow. hey, all drugs and des- alcohol. Yeah, you're in they the all desert wasteland. Well, you're yeah. in the desert wastelands. What else do you do? Jesse, let's cook. <laughs> all right, crap. We never got to the thing that I teased. Uh, oh, yeah, you had some. What was it? The Zeitgeist? Yeah. We're going to have to we wait got time left? Are we? Is this show over? No, the show's not, not got... over. We got okay. It's just I'll take a break and we'll come back. And... Wait, wait, right, so, Steve. So Steve had asked me to remind him, Mark, he would like yeah. you to play a round of Name That Tune. So when Steve is ready, I'll play it here. So we'll play Name That Tune and the Zeitgeist uh, thing. Okay. Right now? Go. Oh, please. Sanford and Son. Indeed. Indeed. Last week was the um, last week was the fifty fifty years ago it premiered, and I love oh, the music. Uh, oh, it's so good! And Quincy Jones wrote the theme song for Sam. Oh, did he really? So, yeah, like he wrote everything up right. until like two thousand five. Everything is, was Quincy Jones. Find the documentary on Quincy Jones that was done by Rashida Jones, and you will just see how magnificent. I mean, he's he is so masterful and so. So overarching, as somebody who made Sinatra's best record, greatest record, and and the same person made Michael Jackson's greatest record. You're oh talking my God. about yes, and and that's Quincy Jones. He is magnificent. Anyways, he said they came to him and they wanted him to write the song. And Quincy's quote is, "I said, who's in it?" They said, "Red Fox." I said, man, you can't put Red Fox on national TV. <laughs> and he said he wrote the song in about 20 minutes. That's what, well, they yeah. made it easy for Red. He only had a few lines. Yeah. Hey, you big dummy. Yeah, and you, uh, and who, is the, who is the aunt he I'm hated? Coming. I'm coming, Elizabeth. I'm oh, coming. Elizabeth. Or the, the, but he hated the cousin or whatever. He's, oh, I thought I flushed the toilet. As yeah. she walks in. Yeah. 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 Right. Was All right, we'll take a break. We come back. We'll discuss the cultural zeitgeist and um, a Bengals thing that'll sound familiar to Cubs fans. He's Mark Grody. Uh, I'm Steve Rosenblum. Neither of us are consigned to overnights yet, but we hope to ascend to that, apparently. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Aunt Esther. Mark, that's Aunt who it was. Esther. Aunt Esther. Oh, I thought I flushed the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Red, Fox uh, was, Red Fox was everything people knew of Andrew Dice Clay. And ten times that, long before Andrew Dice Clay was probably even born, it was Red Fox Party Records were a thing, and that's why Quincy Jones says you're gonna, you can't put Red Fox on TV. Yeah, okay. some whoever did that, who who produced like Norman Lear show, I, I'm guessing probably. Uh, like he did. I don't remember. 
But anyway, they yeah. he, somebody knew what they were doing when they did because they whoever did it had to have known that if he was that way that they were taking a chance. But somebody had a good vision right there. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. So here's what I believe is the cultural zeitgeist choice. And remember, death is not an option. Okay. Twitter pictures of other people's food, or Twitter reports of other people's fantasy teams. Or Twitter screenshots of other people's Wordle results. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah, I this Wordle thing. Woo. We are so anxious to show off new things on Twitter, <laughs> aren't we? I was wondering, well, wondering where you were going to go with that. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. So are you actually asking for an answer, like, what is the worst? Yeah, but well, just... it's sort of a succession, as, as I saw. Is, is yeah. Twitter preceded your... The footprint of here's my food. I'm eating this and you're not. And then there was fantasy teams. Like the only thing less interesting than a fa- your fantasy team is your golf game. And then now, I I don't know what other people's Twitter timelines look like, but mine is all Wordle results all the time. Yeah, how's yours? I've been, uh, yeah, I've plenty of Wordle, and I, I look. I've been guil- guilty of posting food, and I have to under I have to admit that. I have never once been interested. Like, I've never seen somebody's post on Instagram, because that's usually where the, the photos are now, is Instagram. I've never looked at a food photo and been like, oh, wow, interesting, cool, great. Unless it's something exotic, it's just not interesting, the, the photos that we put out there. If it was like a pig roast or something like that, or <laughs> may, maybe even maybe even something like super upscale, like an Alinea or something. Maybe show me something maybe from Alinea. But yeah, you really gotta you really gotta work hard to out. Isn't it just so American too that we well there's there's people starving in other countries and in our country and in our city. And look at my big blob of pasta mm-hmm. with marinara sauce on it. Awesome. Click it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's that. That's kind of it. And then, yeah. Uh, that's um, it. That's it. Okay. I just wanted to bring that up. It just become. Um, and I'm a I'm a fan of Wordle, and uh, I enjoy it. I think all these things as I as I near that age where my neurotransmitters are turning to meringue. That I learned yeah. that all of these kind of um, any kind of reading or game playing or sussing things out is good for it to stay uh, stay sharp. But I don't need to yeah. post it. I just no, that's, I don't that need is, to do that. I just need to do it and, and move on. But, that is a that is a well set like you know who does all that stuff? Like every single mind game, word game, crossword, anything to keep yourself sharp. One Patrick Hughes. I used to sit next to him on the shuttles on the plane and uh, he was like very believed in that and he mm-hmm. did all those things. He would act literally read a, like a book of vocabulary words and and he we'd have fun with those words and like using them and try, and trying to see what they were. So that's a real deal thing. One other thing too Steve before um, I shut up because I know we got to go soon. I, I I neglected to mention this last week that I I was in Itasca at my parents Gene and Gary and they were they they listened to the show and my mom said you know i never heard my name come up last week i, I don't i you know never you guys didn't talk about and jeans jeans asking where her airtime is yeah yeah she just thought it would be a perfect opportunity cuz i was going out there and i am going out there tonight 
And uh, this really connects well too because she did say that we're gonna go, we're gonna go out, and we're gonna meet Aunt Rhonda and a friend of hers for pizza where the old jewel used to be at Georgetown Square. So <laughs> there, there was a jewels reference, and um, she is on record now that I will be in in the suburbs tonight with Gene and Gare. And I'll look forward to a report next week. Full report on I know you will. Gene taking you to the former jewels. Yeah, the so former jewels. We are going to get out of here in a little while, uh, a couple minutes. Uh, the score will bring you NFL playoff football. Bengals and Titans is the first game. The coverage starts at 3. So the Bengals beat the Raiders last week. <clears throat> it was their first playoff game, first playoff victory in 31 years. Bengals coach Zach Taylor promised to give a game ball to the city of Cincinnati. So what he did was he gave players footballs and told them to hit some bars. (laughs) (laughs) So on Good Morning Football this week, Bengals tight end C.J. Uzoma said Taylor, who's 38, got carded when he went to a bar to buy beers for Uh... the city of Cincinnati. (laughs) How great is that? How great is that? Oh, that's unbelievable. So if Cincinnati, if the Bengals somehow go on and win the Super Bowl, then I think Taylor is going to be buying. He's going to pull a John Lester. The Bengals will pull a John Lester. And buy the entire city of beer, and then we can get into this next week. Is John Lester a Hall of Famer? (laughs) Yes, just for that. Hall of Fame results will be out. The voting results will be out before we... Are on the air next week, and we'll be on the air as long as nobody important listened to this show. So we'll find out. So we'll discuss that. John Lester, Hall of Famer. I love it. I love it, man. Fun show, Stevie. Fun show. Thank you for waking up from whatever you did Tuesday, Wednesday. You don't even know what day it is, but I'm glad you woke up. We want to thank Cesar Perez for remembering the Sanford and Son thing. We want to thank George Bremer talking about the Colts, Ryan Horvat, BetMGM, and Mark Shanowski of ABC7. Thank everyone who, our one caller, and everyone who texted and listened and tolerated us. Now we're going to fumigate the airwaves and bring you NFL football. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage. And say, Gene, Gene, hey, Gene, Gene Grody, Gene. Say hi, Gene. I'm coming. Hi, Gene. I'm coming, Mom and Dad. I'll hi. be there soon. <laughs> Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.